Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 24, how Abraham trusted Eleazar, his servant, with all power and judgment because he was faithful, and how God the Father did the same with his son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for your listenership, and we're thankful for your support as we need it to continue airing here on this station in your city, the Friendship with God radio program. Now, if you're able to support us with a monthly donation or with a one-time donation, you can contact us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. In fact, we've got resources, three of them, that for a donation of $20 or more of your support, we'll send you three books for your support of Friendship with God. The three books are How Your Origins Matter, The Ice Age and the Flood, and The Search for Noah's Ark by Dr. John Morris. All three of these books are available as our resource of the month, and they're for a limited time, as long as they last. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you these three books. So call us again, now or after the program, at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. You can also support us online with donating at Friendship with God. Org, Friendship with God, as well as our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, here on Friendship with God. Now let's look very carefully at some of the words that Eliezer has said, because it really shows, what I'm telling you, is it has reached a pinnacle's life. Is it reveals what Eliezer believes, because we want to have Eliezer's statement of faith. <laughs> we want to be like Eliezer. First of all, what is the word in verse 14, that reveals that Eliezer believes that God has already selected a bride for Isaac. What's the word in verse 14 that reveals to us that Eliezer believes that God has already selected a bride for Isaac? Appointed. It's appointed. Eliezer's not looking for any lady. He's looking for the one that God has already appointed for Isaac. And so he goes to the well where the women go, He doesn't make a move. He goes to the well, and he doesn't make a move until he prays this prayer in verses 12 to 14. And his emphasis in this prayer is several emphases, but one of the emphases is on appointed, appointed. I'm looking for the one that God has appointed. I'm not going to choose and then ask God to appoint her. That's not the way it's going to work. I'm not going to ask God to bless my choice. I'm going to ask God to show me who he has chosen. He's already chosen. The delay is in me. It's not in God. God is not delayed in getting behind my plan. I am delayed in getting behind God's plan. So he's got this in his mind. Now, in verse 14, what did Eliezer say that reveals that he believes that God causes events to occur? In verse 14, Eliezer has said something, and what he said is it reveals that he believes that God causes events to happen. What is it? Let it come to pass. By saying that, let it come to pass, Eliezer is telling us that he believes that God is able to make events happen. And so he prays, let it come to pass. Now, what did Eliezer say in verse 12 that reveals to us that Eliezer believes that God is loving and God is kind and God is good. What did he say in verse 12 that reveals to us that Eliezer believed that? Show kindness unto my master Abraham. See, when he said that, Eliezer is saying, I believe God is loving. I believe God is kind. 
Kindness is the Hebrew word chesed. And it's found all throughout the Bible, and it describes God. And it's translated here kindness, and some places called loving kindness, sometimes mercy, sometimes goodness, sometimes good, sometimes favor, but it's all the same word, chesed. Because it's a description of who God is. God is kind and good and loving. And Eliezer uses this word, chesed, four times in this chapter to describe God. Four times. He used chesed in verse 12, and he uses it in verse 14. Both of those are translated as kindness. Then he uses the same word, chesed, to describe God in verse 27. It's translated mercy. And then he uses the same word, chesed, in verse 49. It's translated kindly. Four times. Why did Eliezer use this word chesed so many times to describe God? Because Eliezer believes God is good. God really is good. He believes God really is loving. That's why he describes God with the word chesed. John is describing God as chesed when he says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God is chesed. That's the same idea. You know that not everyone believes that God is loving. You know, our Israel Restoration missionaries in Buenos Aires, Jose Luis and uh, Julie, they have had no success at working with the Orthodox Jewish community down there. None at all. The Orthodox Jewish community made it very clear that they're not at all interested in having any kind of discourse with them. So they work with secular Jews in Buenos Aires. But our Israel Restoration Missionary Michael in Los Angeles, he's had his focus on the Orthodox Jewish people of Los Angeles, and he's been working with them. And how does he do it? Well, he tracks out the paths, which they all have these set paths, that the Orthodox Jewish people walk to their synagogues on their Saturday on Sabbath. So he knows how they're all going to walk in the groups. And he goes running out there, and he sets up on the sidewalk his table with provocative signs and, and books, and he talks to them as he goes by and engages them in conversation. And so he's gotten quite a relationship with some of them, quite a discourse. And you know what he's found out? He's found out that those Orthodox Jewish people really do not believe that God loves them. They don't believe that. They don't believe that God is loving, good, and kind. Not at all. They say, look at the Holocaust. Is that good, loving, and kind God? They said, look at the current world events against the Jewish people. Is that a good, loving, and kind God? They don't believe what Eliezer believes. They don't believe that God is love. So Michael's in the process of writing a tract that shows that God is love from the Old Testament scriptures. When Rebecca now appears on the scene, we see in verse 17 that Eliezer, it says, the servant ran to meet her. And he said, let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. So Eliezer's heart, we could just see him out there. His heart just goes, beam, 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 beam. And he's thinking to himself, maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the one that God has appointed for Isaac. So we see him running to meet her. And we see that he's excited, Eliezer is, but he's also cautious. So I've got to be careful here. I don't want my excitement to say, this is the one you've chosen, God, I'm telling you. This is the one you've chosen here because he's got to hear it from God. So he wants to be very sure that this is the bride that God has appointed for Isaac. So he does something very wise. He puts in like another test for Rebekah. Eliezer has already asked God to show him who he has appointed by having her just overflow with this generosity about the water and giving as much water as he wanted and then going on to, on her own, water the camels. And so that means there's going to be a lot of water going on here if she meets the test. Rebekah is the one... Rebecca is the one, then she's going to have to give a lot of water. That's the test. 
So Eliezer is looking for the lady who gives a lot of water. So if he's looking for the lady that gives a lot of water, I mean, how much water does he ask for in verse 17? It says a little, a little water. I want a sip, just a sip. <laughs> a little sip, you know. Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water. Let me, I pray thee, drink a little sip of thy pitcher. Now, if Eliezer is looking for a lady who would give a lot of water, why did he only ask for a little water? Because it was a test. It was another test. He wanted to see that if he asked for a little water, if she's going to flood him with a lot of water. And then we see something else Eliezer did, which he not only asked for a little water, but he said, of thy pitcher, of thy pitcher. Well, here we see Eliezer. What's he doing? He's got the attitude check here. Does this woman have any attitude? I mean, can you just picture Eliezer with this whole thing? And here comes Rebecca. You know, she's got this big water pot on her shoulder. You know, things heavy. You know, the heavy water pot. She just got up the all position. She's ready to start back home. Here comes this old guy <laughs> with a caravan of ten camels and an entourage of men servants waiting on him. I mean, she's a, there. She is this young girl with a heavy pot of water on her shoulder. And he runs up to her. He says, that pot on your shoulder. He said, you know, this one that I just put up for this just about killing me. Yeah, that one. He says, can I just take a sip from it? <laughs> he says, can I take a sip of water from your pitcher on your shoulder? Well, if Rebecca had any Jewish American princess ship <laughs> in her, she would have let him have it. She would have said, you're a man with an army of men servants here at your disposal, ready for you to snap your fingers. The well of water is right there. I'm a woman struggling with a heavy water pot that I've just gotten on my shoulder. Instead of asking your men servants to go get water from the well, you want me to take my heavy water pot down off of my shoulder so you can take a sip? <laughs> it says, you know, go get your own water from the well, pal, and leave me alone. If she had attitude, that's what would happen. But that was a very wise test for Mr. Eliezer because to make this outrageous request of saying, it's not that I'm really thirsty, I just want a little sip from your water pot. <laughs> so at the end of verse 17, when he finishes this test, it's on. The test is on. The test is on for Rebecca to see how she's going to respond to this outrageous request for a little sip from her pitcher. That's why the next verse is so important. And it says there, she says, drink, my Lord, drink. And it says she hasted. She let down her pitcher upon her hand. She didn't just, you know, here, drink. No, no, I'll hold the pitcher. I'm going to pour it out for you. It's going to be right out of my hand. And gave him drink. She responds with this effusive drink. And she calls him, my Lord. You know, this is the person who's just asked for this outrageous question. She says, yes, sir, my Lord, she says. And Eliezer hears that, my Lord, he thinks to himself, she'll be a good bride. That's a great bride for Isaac. He remembers Sarah. He remembers Sarah, how she used to call Abraham Lord in Genesis 18, 12. But Rebecca has such a great attitude. She's just so happy to serve. She says, drink, my Lord, drink. Oh, I'm so happy that I want to do this. And we read in verse 18 that she hastes, she runs which shows she's got a servant's heart. She loves to serve. She's showing that she has the mind of Christ. That's the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, 4 through 8, where it says, Look not every man on his own things, Rebecca, but every man also on the things of others, Eliezer. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And this is where he didn't look on his own things, but looked on the things of others, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but 
made himself of no reputation because he was looking on our things and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Rebecca out there by this well is not looking on her own things, but she's looking on things of Eliezer and she's saying to himself, this poor man, he wants a sip of water. He must really be thirsty. Oh, he must really be thirsty. I'm going to kick into gear. I'll forget about my own troubles. I'm going to give him water. That made Rebecca's day as far as she was concerned. She was so happy to say, drink, drink, my Lord. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. From heaven, he looks down on our great need. We needed a sinless sacrifice. He forgets about how much it would hurt him. He forgets how much it was going to cost him. He decides to make himself of no reputation, take on him the form of a certain, be made in the likeness of man, humble himself, become obedient to death, even the death of a cross. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he did that so that he could have the joy of stretching out his arm like Rebecca did and say, drink, drink. John 7, 37. In that day, great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. John 4.10, Jesus answered and said to the woman at the well, said to her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give him to drink, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked him, he would have given thee living water. He did that so that he could have the joy, this joy of saying drink, as it says in Isaiah 12, verse 3, therefore with joy shall he draw water out of the wells of salvation. So like Rebecca, like the Lord Jesus Christ, they love to give water. To the thirsty, the Lord says in Isaiah 44, verse 3, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. So it's his joy. It was her joy to take away the thirst. It was his joy to take away the thirst for eternal life. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. We want to announce that we have an opening here in the Southern California area with Israel Restoration Ministries. We're looking for a full-time missionary and volunteer missionaries to work with our Jewish evangelism mission, which is to reach lost Jewish people here in the Southern California area, San Diego, Orange County, and Los Angeles. We reach people all over the world, but we have an open full-time position in San Diego and in the Los Angeles area with Israel Restoration Ministries. So if you know someone that would like to be a full-time missionary or a volunteer missionary, have them contact us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also call us to receive a free Jewish evangelism gift to give to a lost Jewish person or to make a donation towards Jewish evangelism and friendship with God. Again, 800-247-3051. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Revelation 21, verse 6. He says, it's done. I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega, the beginning and the end. Then what? I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He says in Revelation 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And so does he refuse anybody? John 6, 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I'll no wise cast out. That's the attitude that was in Rebecca. 
So we read in verse 18, she lets down the pitcher on her hand, she gives him to drink, and Rebecca, like I said, she didn't just say, here's the pot, drink for yourself. She pours it out for him, of her hand, pours it to him, and next we read in verse 19, when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they've done drinking, and he can't believe it. He said, I didn't say anything about camels. I just told God about the camels. But now she's with the camels. And so what we find here is that she's very patient, Maybe Eliezer was drinking purposefully very slowly. I can imagine that he would do that to irritate her, see if he could bring out some attitude. But we don't know. We can be sure that while Eliezer is drinking, he's thinking to himself, I wonder, I just wonder if I'm going to hear something about camels next. I wonder if the camel factor is going to come into this. I wonder if she's going to offer water to the camels. And the record says that she attended to giving him drink And it was only, as it says, when she had done giving drink, that on her own, on her own initiative, without Eliezer saying anything about camels, she comes up with this, I know, I know, I'll draw water for thy camels also until they've done drinking. I got an idea, Rebecca says, camels. Uh, We don't really read what Eliezer said. Maybe he said, okay, maybe he said, that'd be a good idea, or that'd be great. But what we do read, is in verse 20, is that she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew a frog's camel. So when it says she hasted, it gives us the picture. She's a whirlwind, this Rebecca. She's springing into action. Boy, who pulled her spring? But she springs into action. She pours the rest of her pitcher into the water trough for the camels. And then it says she ran. She didn't walk. She ran back to the well to get more water to draw for all the camels. The camels must have been impressed. You know, was that nobody's ever run for us. And they're thinking that maybe the camels are thinking, it's be a great bride for Isaac, Eliezer. <laughs> Meanwhile, while Rebecca is flying into action, we have to ask the question, what are what Eliezer's thinking now? And we're told what he's thinking in verse 21. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. See, Eliezer's response is described as wondering. That's the Hebrew word, sha'ah. It's never used in the Bible, except for this place. It's the only place where it's used. And it has the meaning of being whirled around, or becoming stunned, or dizzy. You know, that's what's going on in Eliezer. He's just watching Rebecca swing into action, all this running, all this water, all this emptying, all this, and he's dizzy. That's what wondering means. He's dizzy watching it. Eliezer, but he wants to be very sure. Again, he wants to be very sure, Eliezer, that he's not stepping in front of God and saying, this has got to be the one, because he's got to find the one that God has appointed for Isaac. He's pretty sure he's found the one that he has appointed for Isaac, but not completely sure, and so he's holding his peace. That's why it says he's wondering and holds his peace. So he's being calm about this. In his own mind, he's thinking, I've got to be sure. I've got a checklist here. I'm checking off the points on my checklist one by one, but they're not all checked off yet, so I'm not going to jump. Eliezer has some items he still has to check off. After all, he doesn't know if she's from Abraham's family. He hasn't checked that off yet. He doesn't know she's single. You know, that's important. <laughs> you got to check that off. He doesn't know if he'd be invited to stay at her house. He doesn't know if she'll be willing to go. She doesn't know if the family's willing to let her go. So he can't just jump off into conclusions yet until he gets all the items checked off. So he waits, and it says in verse 22, came to pass that the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half shekel weight and two bracelets of her hands of ten shekels of weight. So Eliezer waits until all the camels are done drinking, and he takes out these gifts. Beautiful, it's beautiful gifts. It says earring, 
It really is a nose ring. Nose ring doesn't sound very beautiful, but anyway, to us, you know, I guess you pierced your nose in those days. I don't know. You went to the, the Nordstrom's of Syria, and you got a nose piercer. There's a big thing. It covered the mouth. Anyway, the bracelets sound better. So here we see Eliezer. He's got his checklist here. Now he poses two questions to Rebecca. And for verse 23, he says, Whose daughter art thou? And here Eliezer is just saying, is she from Abraham's family or not? And second, he says in verse 23, is there room enough in your father's house for us to lodge in? See, your father's house. He doesn't know that her father is dead because Nahor is dead. But he calls the father's house. So she tells him her family in verse 24. And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Methuel, son of Milcah, the daughter she bare to Nahor. And as soon as Eliezer hears Nahor, he realized Nahor is Abraham's brother. So check. He says, I've just checked this item. She says, she passes. She's Abraham's niece. This one's Abraham's niece. She's Isaac's cousin. Don't think that marrying cousin was forbidden in the Bible. It wasn't. And then for the second question, she quickly responds back in verse 25. She said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. She says, we've got enough food for your camels to eat. They can bed down. You can bed down. There's room in the house for you to stay. She's practically invited him. She has a lot of initiative. So she invites him as 10 camels. Come on over. Now, this is too much for Eliezer. He can't take it. He can't take it. It's too much. He's overwhelmed. He's just overwhelmed with all this. He's got one response. Verse 26, the man bows down his head. He worships. There's two times when we get overwhelmed in life. In one case, we get overwhelmed as his with happiness and joy. And that's what happened to Eliezer. There's another time, and that's a time, best thing to do, worship. And then there's another time when you get overwhelmed in life with sadness and shock and sorrow. Like when the doctor says, you have cancer. Or someone dies, and a flood of emotions and thoughts overwhelm us. You don't know what to do. That's the time to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It does the soul so much good. That's why David said in Psalm 61, 2, From the end of the earth I'll cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, David's overwhelmed. Why does he say, lead me to the rock? He can't even go there himself. So someone take me in my hand and help me to worship. Lead me there. You know, there's so much clearing. There's such a calming that comes in the face of this overwhelming great joy, great sadness. It's exactly the situation that happened here with Eliezer. He's traveled over 100 miles with this caravan. The thought was he was on a mission impossible. He's fighting off all kinds of fears. He's barely finished his prayer of laying it out. And all of a sudden, here she is. Suddenly, she appears. She's a dynamo in front of him. Causes his head to be drowned with emotions. So many thoughts running through his mind. He needs stability. I remember how Stephen Olford, a dynamic Bible expositor and a pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in New York City, told the story of how he had a, a lump under his left arm. And his wife and son, who worked with him, his son worked with him in the ministry, David Olford, traveled to Memphis Cancer Center and were sitting in the office of Dr. Kirby Smith, who is a very famous oncologist who actually founded Memphis Cancer Center. And Dr. Kirby Smith explains to him, he says, Dr. Olford, you have a very aggressive form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer, and treatment must begin today. And no one said a word. All they hear is cancer. Nobody says a word. You could hear a pin drop. Everybody was stunned. Nobody said a word. And finally, his dear wife says, Doctor, we haven't eaten since earlier this morning. Do you think we could slip out for a quick lunch? And so the doctor says, yes, but hurry back. They're in shock. Nobody says a word. And they decided to go get some food and go back to their hotel room and eat it. 
So no one says a word, still in shock. They get their food. They sit down at the table in the hotel room. They're ready to eat, but before they eat, they bow their head to pray, and Dr. Olford breaks the silence with these words. Lord Jesus, we worship you. That's Eliezer. What do you say as a wife of 60 years with the question on your mind, what will I do without my husband? What do you say as a son with the question, do you work with your dad? You say, what will life be like without my dad? What do you say with the question on your mind, or what about my ministry? What about the plans I've been making for the Institute for Biblical Expository Preaching? What do you say when you're afraid, when you're overwhelmed with questions about the future? Stephen Olford said the best thing to answer every question when he said, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Those words just affirmed what Eliezer believed. Verse 12, show kindness. What did he believe? He believed that God is kind, God is loving, God is good. Second thing, verse 14, let it come to pass. Eliezer believed God was powerful enough to cause events to occur. Stephen Olford prays, Lord Jesus, we worship you. He hands the whole situation into the hands of a loving, caring God who's powerful enough to do whatever he desires, anything he wants. Tremendous teaching by our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, who's also a scientist and biochemist and also the operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum. And we're offering three books for a donation of $20 or more, How Your Origins Matter, The Ice Age and the Flood, and The Search for Noah's Ark by Dr. John Morris. All three books for a donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program, and we'll send you these amazing creation and science books and resources. 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051 and get these three books for a donation of $20 or more. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Or for more information, go to friendshipwithgod.org.